Hey guys, welcome back to the Access Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Vin Masana. Uh, so we're sitting here in a, um, on a rainy Saturday afternoon, very depressing, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, usually Memorial Day weekend is filled with exciting baseball. In previous years, this would be the playoffs for Suffolk and Nassau, uh, possibly the championship. Usually the Nassau and Suffolk County championship would be right around this time. Uh, and obviously with the season starting later, that was not the case this year, so this was just going to be another weekend of regular season games, but even that's not the case now with the with the uh, deluge of rain that we've got, and it's not bad, it wasn't bad enough that um, that to have one day of rainouts, but to have Friday, Saturday, potentially Sunday, uh, all three days in a row, I mean, it's just especially cruel, so... And 48 degrees, I was just at Ward Melville. I was going to watch them against St. Jim North. Uh, they were hopeful to get the game in because they got that new turf field. Uh, so they thought as long as it wasn't pouring that they'd be able to get the game in. But that was not the case. So I just got back home. Um, <clears throat> Stony Brook is going to be playing today at 1, they claim. So we'll see what happens with that. Probably by the time you listen to this, um, we'll have a... <laughs> we'll have a uh, a verdict whether or not they were able to get the game and they actually lost their first playoff game on Thursday and then came back uh with a vengeance in the ninth inning yesterday you got to give them credit because the last thing you would want is to host a conference tournament and be two and out and they had their backs absolutely against a wall and uh down two to nothing in the last inning and they scored three runs a walk-off hit by Evan Giordano who's just had an amazing season. Evan uh, is leading the team in virtually every offensive category, um, you name it. And if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you see put out the um, the Long Island leaders, the stat leaders, every week, basically. I've probably done it for the last two months. And um, <clears throat> Giordano's basically at the top of the list when it comes to most categories. Actually slipped a little bit in batting average. Shane Paradine. And John LaRock and Chris Hamilton overtook him batting average-wise. But um, as far as all the counting stats, he has them. Uh, you know, 52 hits, 7 home runs, 37 RBIs. All of that leads Stony Brook and was up towards the top of the list as far as the Long Islanders, uh, Long Island programs go. And uh, so he came through with the big RBI hit. They're going to face Maine. They're going to hope that they can seek some retribution on Maine because they actually got the best of them on in day one of the tournament. Uh, Sinecora, the starting pitcher for Maine, had his way with them. But you know what? There's no shame in that because he actually is leading the nation in strikeouts. Nicholas Sinecora, so he won his ninth game of the year. Um, looking at the stats now, he went seven innings, struck out 11, one run. And just talking to one of the Stony Brook players after the game, they basically said they've never seen a pitcher like him. He barely throws his fastball. When he does, he doesn't really have great command of it. But his slider is just a big league pitch, and, and it just induces a ton of swings and misses. So it's not just Stony Brook that came up came up helpless against him. That's just what he's done all season. So I'm not sure what else they have behind him. Sorry, I'm not an ardent follower of Maine baseball, but... Um, I'm sure if they're in the playoffs, they have somebody else. It's just I don't think they have anybody of Nicholas and Acora's caliber. So if they are able to get the game in, I'm going to assume that uh, Sam Turcott's getting the start for the Seawolves since they went with Nick DiGennaro and Jared Milch in the first two games. So oh, Stony Brook's going to hope that they're able to keep their season alive. You know, they're they're the class of the America East entering the playoffs. You know, first place, number one overall seed, hosting the tournament. So 
you know, they're going to want to at least make it to the championship game. Otherwise, they're not really going to have a chance to get an at-large bid for the regional. Um, as far as the other teams that are in, uh, we got Malloy. They're still playing. They won the ECC tournament last weekend. Um, and uh, they actually won their first, the first game of the NCAA regional tournament against Franklin Pierce, a number four ranked team in the um, in the uh, region. And in that game, so um, sorry, Franklin Pierce was up three to nothing in the fourth inning. So I mean, if you watch regional baseball before, you know that no lead is safe. But against a team like Franklin Pierce, usually when you fall behind and it gets to be the middle innings. You know, when your back's against the wall, it's pretty tough to come back because they're, you know, besides having a really good offense, Franklin Pierce, they're just a well-rounded team. So you could assure, be assured that their starting pitcher is, you know, if, if he's the number one pitcher, the first game of the regional for Franklin Pierce, chances are he's one of the top pitchers, um, one of the top Division two pitchers in the nation. So, but Malloy is not a typical Northeast team. They're not built around pitching and defense. They're, they're built around an offense that hit 335. And if you look at their stats this year, it's pretty remarkable because I don't know if I've... You see that every once in a while with Division three teams, but not too often with Division two teams because, you know, it's just a higher, higher level of baseball. So, I mean, look at their... They have a 338 team batting average. You know, Sean Hogan, the player of the year for the ECC, leading the way with a 381 batting average. Uh, Garrett Scavelli right behind at 367. Matt Overton right behind at 366. David Frangie at 364. And Jake McCarthy at 359. I mean, that is five players in there, five regulars with over a 359 average. And then you have Pete Theodorellis. Oh, by the way, the former Division One player hitting 330. And then James Messina, their shortstop, who's usually their leadoff hitter, 322. So that's seven out of the eight regulars, with the only exception being their catcher, Thomas Brady, under 300. Do you think he's hitting under 200? Do you think he's a light hitter? Nope. He's hitting 298 with a 911 OPS. So, I mean, Malloy has just been bashing the baseball all year. And um, so going back to the game, they were down 3 to nothing in the fourth inning. And, you know, if you were following along, you kind of start seeing that the writing's on the wall. Maybe they didn't have their... Maybe they didn't bring their A game that day, but they actually just were a little late to wake up. I think that was the case. Uh, so Franklin Pierce, they had originally gotten on the board. Tyler Pertain, if you guys have been following for a while, you recognize the name Tyler Pertain. He graduated from Seachem North seven years ago, so I think he's in his last year of uh, eligibility. He played at Stack before that. So, And then um, they added a third run in the fourth inning to make it go, um, to, to extend the lead to three to nothing. And then the freshman, uh, Garrett Scavelli from Cary, who transferred over from Tech, uh, three-run home run to right field to tie up the game at 3-3. Three to three. And then David Franchi, who also uh, transferred over from Tech, RBI single. I'm sorry, RBI double to score Chris Peralta to go up 4-3. to three. And then Scavelli broke again. He just had a career game. He had a bases-clearing double to right, right center field. Drove in Matt Overton, Jacob McCarthy, and Sean Hogan to break it open to 7-3. to three. And essentially, that was all they needed on the day. But they continued uh, to, to pile on runs. David Franchi hit a three-run home run in the seventh inning. Franchi again, RBI single in the eighth inning. And then Theo Dorellis, a sack fly. Sean Hogan, a RBI single. Uh, Franklin Pierce got, a, got one run back in the ninth inning on James Boria's home run. James Boria is from Farmingdale. Uh, so 
Malloy ends up putting up 13 runs, a four spot in the fourth and a six spot in the seventh inning. Uh, Tim Panetta won his sixth game of the year. Uh, six innings, three earned runs, you know, quality start. And then Chris Wierzynski, the lefty, came in and threw three innings. So he winds up, winds up with the save. Um, <clears throat> so Malloy won their first game. I mean, that's important. You don't want to go into the loser's bracket right out of the gate. So they were able to avoid that. Uh, they were supposed to play last night at 7 against Goldie Beacom College, the number 5 seed in the region. But that game was postponed. And remember, they're up in New Hampshire. They're not in New York. So I thought maybe the weather would be a little bit different, but obviously that was not the case. So they're playing at, um, they're supposed to be playing right now. I think there is a rain delay going on because um, the game has not started yet. Not exactly sure what's going on up in New Hampshire, but I don't think the game has started yet. So um, look, if you want to look on the bright side, I mean, they have fully rested bullpen. They only use one reliever. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're starting. Um, pretty sure they're starting Charlie Cucciara in this game, so they're in good shape. And look, if you win the first two games, you're one game away. You just gotta hope that you know you don't fall apart essentially at that point. So um, here's the hope, and Malloy is able to keep the role going, and um, you don't make it to the College World Series. So, so that is Malloy. That's the update on them. Uh, U.S. MMA. They just lost. To Mitchell College. So Merchant Marine Academy, of course, captured the Skyline Conference Tournament. It seems like a long time ago. Uh, that was on March 9th. Uh, sorry, May 9th. March 9th would have been a long time. Uh, yeah, it was on May 9th. Garrett I, I. Kelly hit the walk-off home run against Old Westbury in the 10th inning um, at their home field, Kings Point, in Kings Point. So they had a nice little break, 18-day break. Um, they go up to Auburn Park. I'm sorry, Auburn, New York, Falcon Park against Eastern Connecticut, who is the number 14th ranked team in the nation, not in the region, in the nation. And they held on 2-1 to one behind their ace, Joe Robb. Uh, Joe has just been lights out all year. I love watching him. Just a, just very much like John Lester. You know, not a soft tosser, up in the mid to upper 80s. Um, very intense, throws strikes. Only had one walk in the complete game. Eight strikeouts just attacks, you know, and he doesn't want to come out of the game. He threw 112 pitches, um, and, and Rob's just been incredible for them for his four-year career. So um, it's always nice to win that first game, but it's nice until until you lose the next game and you wind up right into the loser's bracket. So right now, uh, they're looking to stay alive. They're going to be back in action at 4.30 today. Right now, at the time of recording this, it is 12.30. Uh, so they have to wait out another game and see... Um, and they're going to see who loses the Tufts, uh, the Tufts game coming up next. Um, let me see who that game is going to be against. So it's either, let me click on the tournament website. Sorry, bad radio here. They are going to be facing the loser of game six. So either Tufts or Keystone. And that game is about to happen right now. So uh, they're going to look to keep their season alive. And the College World Series this year is in Iowa as opposed to uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, where it had been for, for many years. So uh, so that's the update on the local teams that are currently still playing. Of course, Suffolk captured the Region 15 championship, which is our local uh, local region here. But they opted to not participate in the, um, in the Super Regional or the College World Series, which, um, I don't know, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not 
privy to those conversations. But so that's the update on the college teams. Um, just a quick look back on on the week of high school coverage that we had um, yesterday. I I was very pleased with that decision, by the way. So Kellenberg and Chaminade had their third game of their season of their series to determine uh, the first the top seed in the upcoming playoffs and. Obviously, the weather was not looking good yesterday, and they did the proactive thing. They moved the game up till 11 a.m. Um, you know, it seems like a no-brainer to do, but not a lot of games ended up getting moved up. So I'm not sure why that happened, but they did the right thing. I was able to go, and it was a great pitching matchup. Two sophomores, a lefty Matt Brandt from Chaminade and um, the righty Andrew Koshi from Kellenberg. And, you know, I had kept telling myself, I got to see Koshi, I got to see Koshi, because... I was I had featured him in the up next series back in the winter and I got to say the up next series is one of my favorite things to do. You highlight any player that hasn't played in a varsity game yet. So it could be, you know, 7th grader, 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, doesn't matter. Well, really not 11th grader. So let's say try to do like 7th to to 10th grade, somebody that you know, middle school and JV players um, and and try to highlight the top guys, you know, players that are not so obvious that people have already heard of them, but that you will soon hear of them. That's kind of like the whole the whole motto of it is they haven't played in a varsity game. You haven't heard of them, but you soon will. And Koshi just was a no brainer to fit that description, because the more people that I asked about him, everybody couldn't stop raving. They were like, yeah, this kid is mature beyond his years. Um, you know, he's a 2023 and yet he would pitch some tournaments against 2021s, top 21s, and dominate. And that's exactly what we're looking for for this. I mean, and then and then I watched him, and, and you're watching him throw his warm-up pitches, and you're like, wow. You just hear the pop on the glove. And from that low three-quarters arm slot, righties do not want to face it. I mean, it's not much easier on lefties, but especially hard on righties. And... He was lights out. He went uh, five and a third. He hit the pitch limit. Seven strikeouts. He winds up getting the win. He he got out of a couple jams. Um, not you know, not all his fault. Defense made a couple errors behind him. One of the errors was his fault. So I guess that was his fault. But um, one of the errors was his, I should say. And um, yeah, he was he was very impressive for a tenth grader to take the ball in that situation against a very very good Chaminade team I don't care you know that those that a lot of their players weren't on the 2019 team they're all high level travel players there's a lot of division one players in that lineup and he kept them at bay he made one mistake it was to the catcher junior catcher Brian Heckelman who I think is going to be a stud great arm the kid is fearless behind the plate I'll you know that's for that's for another day if you want to talk about if you want to talk about top unrecruited top uncommitted uh, juniors, he's right up at the top of that list, but uh, he left the slider up to him, left it hanging, and Heckelman just crushed it to left field, and that had uh, tied up the game, that that made it a 2-1 to one game, uh, later in the inning, Chaminade um, tied up the game on a sack fly by the cleanup hitter Andrew Park, and then in the fifth inning, Phil Schur comes up to the plate, Phil's going to Houghton College, and uh, he came up against Brandt, and uh, he crushed the solo home run to left field to give give Kellenberg the lead again uh, at three to two. And he had that little aggressive stare into the dugout. You know, I think that's just 
that's just uh, intensity there uh, spilling over. Um, a lot of pride on the line with this with these games, so I have no problem with that. You know, Shamanad was chirping at them; they're chirping back. I think it's all in good fun. Um, so he hit the home run in the fifth inning that gave them the lead. Uh, Koshi goes back after the sixth inning, gets the first guy out, hits the next batter, hits the pitch limit. So Brennan McCann comes in, and uh, Brennan's a lefty. And to say he was fired up would be an understatement. He was throwing harder than I've ever seen him throw. He was, you know, first couple pitches were all over the place in warm-ups. So you can see he was amped up. Winds up, you know, settling down. But uh, you channeled it, channeled it to his benefit. He was still throwing hard, but he was in control of himself. Uh, and he winds up striking out four batters and one in the third. So strikes out. Um, did he go one and a third? No, one and two thirds. Sorry. He got two outs in the sixth inning and he got, um, he, he went the full seventh inning thrown hard, touch 85 from the left side. Very impressive. And, uh, that was it that, that secured the number one seed for Kellenberg. They started out the year nine and oh, they lost the first two games of the series and, uh, they wind up salvaging the game. I mean, and now they get rewarded with not only a first round bye. And a week off, so they could set up the pitching how they want. But they also have home field advantage. And keep in mind, this year there's no neutral site. So in previous years, it was at, um, you know, two years ago it was at Hofstra. It's been at Farmingdale in the past. It's been, um, where was it, in 2018 it was at Hofstra. Um, <clears throat> so that's a huge advantage. They get to play on their turf. So when you have, you know, if they're going to face Chaminade again or St. John the Baptist... It's going to be on their turf. So that's a really big difference. And look, between <clears throat> between Brennan McCann and Jack Hughes, Ryan Gloop and Koshi, you know, they have they have the pitching. And Pat Miles, credit to him, he stepped in uh, right before the season. And uh, he, he led this team to the number one overall seed. So look, they got to finish the deal. No one's going to remember that they were the number one seed if they don't uh, perform in the playoffs. But... Right now they're they're in a very good spot, and as far as Shamanad goes, I think they're going to be fine. They won seven games in a row. Very young team. They basically had no returning players with varsity experience, and it took them a couple games to figure it out, and then they did. You know, you look at their pitching staff. John Downing is as good as a left of a lefty as there is. Um, JJ Gaddy really came into his own after his first outing when he struggled a little bit with his command. Dominated down the stretch. Uh, one game, two of the series, and then they have Matt Brandt. You know he looked really good the other day. I think he's going to be fine as well. And of course they have their you know their bullpen arms as well. So they're they're in very good shape. The key for them is going to be the production that they get out of their you know out of their key guys. You know the Birdie Steinerts. He swung the bat well the other day. Uh, Vin Roman, Andrew Park, uh, Nick Gungania. They need these guys that are their their boppers to to come through. There's not a lot of high-scoring games in the playoffs in the Catholic League. They're playing a wood bat against good pitching, but you got to rely on, you know, you need your your top performers to come through. And again, I, I was standing with Joe Ariola yesterday, and I felt bad for the kitty. Wake Forest commit, Tommy John surgery on April 2nd, he told me, and he's going to miss, obviously, all of this year, potentially, Potentially all of next year, depending on um, you know when he's ready to go. Usually the, the the recovery time has been you know twelve to sixteen months. So I really hope he's able to come back. And I gotta say, if if they had him, 
they wouldn't have lost the game this year. He's as good of as as good as there is of a high school lefty. You know, eighty eight to ninety can touch ninety three, and I can't imagine too many hitters would have been comfortable facing him. So don't be surprised if these teams see each other again. They're very good, but also don't don't forget about St. John the Baptist. I mean, they're uh, before the season. I said I don't know if they're going to win it, but I think they'll be in the championship series. Uh, St. John the Baptist has what nine players committed to college. Don't don't underestimate that. That means they're you combine that the individual talent with you know the high end talent like the Kyle Chases of the world. Combine that with a good a great coaching staff and. That's that's tough to beat in the playoffs. So, I mean, they won it in 2018. And whether whether they get there this year and lose or get there and win it, you know, I think they're, they're going to be probably competing for a championship on that last day. And then um, a lot of their best players are back, too. So you got to look at them and Chaminade as being the favorites for next year as well. Um, <clears throat> so that was yesterday. Uh, I'll just go through this quick now because... I am taking a lot of time here. Um, the day before that, <clears throat> I went to Deer Park versus West Babylon. And that game was basically over in the first inning. Deer Park scored five runs in the first inning. Off of uh, <clears throat> West Babylon starter Anthony Albertson. They took him out, brought in Dominic Gervasio. He did a, he did a nice job in relief. Uh, Deer Park, they looked like they were a top team with the way they played. They swung the bat up and down the lineup. Their number nine hitter, Nick Denoyer, he had um he had a big two run hit, and their starting pitcher went down with an injury, with one out in the second inning, and I thought that was going to be trouble. I thought it'd be a four hour game, and they bring in a lefty Brady Parks. He goes the next six innings of relief, and only gives up three hits, and uh, struck out three batters in the six shutout innings. So you can't ask for anything more than that. You bring in a long reliever in high school. And he throws six shutout innings, that's when you're living good. So, you know, it's nice to have that that arm in the bullpen. And then uh the day before that, we went to um Blue Bayport Blue Point versus Matatuck. Two good teams, low scoring game. It ended up being three to two. Matatuck, they um they squandered some opportunities, you know. Bayport had their sophomore pitcher, Brady Clark, on the mound. He had great stuff, but he he was a little wild. He wound up walking uh, six guys. He walked four batters in one inning, but he kept making the big pitch when he needed to, and uh, that's you know that's usually good enough. And talking to Jim uh, Masio after the game, he basically said, you know, we don't we don't like to put runners on the way we did. Uh, they walked a lot of guys. They were walking the tight rope, but when you have good stuff at the high school level, you can you can get away with that. Uh, so just looking back on the recap here, um, yeah, Mosio brought in uh, Charlie Arant in relief of Brady Clark, and uh, <clears throat> he winds up getting out of it. He did walk in a run, but he struck out the next guy to end the inning. Um, he had uh, he yeah, he walked in a run, and then he struck out the shortstop Connor Fox, strand the bases loaded in that inning. Arant stayed in the game. He threw a scoreless inning in the sixth and the seventh inning. Uh, in the seventh inning, it looked like he was really. Uh, you know, really had his back against the wall. He walked the first two batters to get on. He allowed the first two batters to get on, and then he uh, retired the next three guys to to slam the door and seal the three to two victory for Bayport Blue Point, who are now eight and two. They look like they're one of the top teams in the county, and uh, they just keep getting it done. They have 
they play good defense. That's what it comes down to. I mean, they're always one of the top teams, but we'll see because class the the class A teams this year are very good, and there's a lot of uh, competition with Shoreham Wading River, Mount Sinai. Uh, them, you know, Bayport Blue Points, just one of the top teams, uh, Rocky Point, Sayville, um, East Islip, so it's not going to be easy. Uh, so that was on Tuesday, and then Monday went to Pat Med. I wanted to watch Josh Noth pitch, and Josh uh, ran into trouble right away. This was against Sachem North, so Noth is the sophomore committed to Charleston. He... Um, he struck out 15 the week before against Sachem East. So that's as impressive a pitching performance as you could get. Because Sachem East has been one of the top performing offenses this year. So that was impressive to see. So uh, Noth ended up, uh, he got into trouble in the first inning. He gives up double, double, and then a home run and a single to start the game. So it doesn't get much worse than that. Four batters in, you're down 3 nothing, you know, And to give up a, a single right after the home run feels like, you know, what do I have to do to, to get an out here? And he just figured it out. Credit to him. That's what a seasoned pitcher does. So I think it was more impressive to see him bounce back after a rough start than to see him cruising. Because at this level, it is you do see a lot of pitchers get into good rhythms. But what happens after they get unraveled? You know, do they fall apart and they need to get taken out? Or are they able to settle down? And, and Noth pitched well beyond his years he uh, wound up going five innings. He only gave up those three runs to the first three batters. So basically the next 15, he had to get 15 outs without giving up a run. And then he did. Struck out seven. Uh, Coach Frascona's son had three hits. Dante Morbido had a big two RBI hit. That gave him the lead. And they never looked back. It was uh, it turned into a, a blowout, even though it was 3 nothing. Uh, they were trailing in the first inning. So uh, Pat Med's been one of the, the nice surprises this year. You know, they... They had a young team like a lot of like a lot of teams and in League One nonetheless, tough to be eight and two and, and they are. So so those were the games that we covered this week. Um this upcoming week, hopefully the weather is good. Um, you know, Monday's Memorial Day, there's a lot of baseball going on. You got the Catholic League single elimination games between the um what you got three versus six and four versus five. And then um and then we have the uh last week is it the, the last week of the regular season for the public schools? So um, hopefully we get to see some good matchups. Undecided about where I'm going to go yet. Uh, so we'll see about that. But all right, guys, that's all I got for today. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend.